This is the 5 a.m. Miracle, episode number 484. Smart and Healthy Financial Habits with Shannon McClay. Good morning and welcome to the 5 a.m. Miracle. I am Jeff Sanders and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My goal is to help you bounce out of bed with enthusiasm create powerful, lifelong habits, and tackle your grandest goals with extraordinary energy. In the episode this week, I'll speak with Shannon McClay, CEO of The Financial Gym, author of Train Your Way to Financial Fitness, and host of the podcast, Martinis and Your Money. In the interview, Shannon and I discuss speaking the language of money, securing healthy financial habits in the same way you do for fitness, and simple strategies to curb excessive spending while living a life you still love. Let's get to it. All right, welcome back to the 5am Miracle Podcast. And I am here today with my lovely guest, Shannon McClay. And today we're going to talk a lot about financial healthy habits and digging into, I guess, the awesomeness of the fact that April is Financial Literacy Month, which is great timing for this. And I would love to dig into those topics today. So Shay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. I'm so excited to be here. I, I told you offline, I said, Financial Literacy Month is like Christmas for us or the holidays for us at the, at the financial gym. It's our favorite time of year, a whole month dedicated to getting financially literate. Well, I think that's really kind of the the underlying discussion today because the, the main topic I want to discuss is financial healthy habits. Let's call it that yeah. in the sense of making sure we not only have a decent idea for, let's say, a budget, but more so of the, the day-to-day, like what are we doing to stay financially literate, have a financial mm-hmm. IQ that's high, and, and we're doing the right things. You know, this podcast has focused for years on healthy habits, meaning healthy with your body, uh, but also personal development and productivity strategies. So all these things, I think, really tie in well to uh, intentionality, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to these various you know big areas of life like finances. Uh, so let's yes. just kind of start with your story on when did you kind of come to this realization that financial uh, literacy or financial healthy habits was like a core thing that you were passionate about? Yeah. So my story goes back um, for there's two different parts of it. So we'll go back first 23 years uh, ago to when I graduated college and I was a business major. I always wanted to be in business. My goal was to make money. And I used to tell people all the time, I'm not saving the world. I'm just making money. And I did that. I had an investment banking job career that, you know, went on for, you know, nine plus years. And over the years, I was just like, not changing the world. I'm just making money. And I was, you know, a business major. I was around finances. And at some point in my early 30s, I just remember, you know, having this conversation with coworkers, like I had some extra money saved. And I, I was like, what, what should I do with this? And they were like, oh, put it in ETFs. And I was like, yeah, you know, just nodded. And, and I didn't know what an ETF was. Hmm. And I mean, I worked on a trading floor, you know, I was like, oh, so I Googled it and um, still didn't know what it was, you know, <laughs> at, Because that's what happens with financial literacy. Even if you Google it, it's not like it makes sense. You know, Greek is Greek. I mean, if you just keep reading more Greek, it doesn't make make it any more understandable. So um, I remember thinking, I just wish I had an advisor. And um, at the time, I was working for Bank of America Merrill Lynch. And I 
was working with a number of financial advisors in my job capacity and they all just looked and felt and sounded the same and you know none of them seemed like the person i wanted to you know have as my financial advisor and i thought if you can't beat them join them so i became a financial advisor and then started really getting financially literate honestly i mean it was my job to know all of these things and what i realized really quickly is that most people don't know all these things um that I wasn't the dumb blonde I felt like I was because I didn't know what an ETF was. Um, and, and the reality is that financial literacy, money is a language, and it is a language that most of us are not taught at home because our parents probably didn't learn it either. I don't feel comfortable talking about it. Money's the ultimate taboo topic, so probably didn't hear it, learn about it at home, likely did not learn about it at school, and then likely didn't learn about it at the job. So here's it's a language that is important, but we really didn't get any kind of education in it. But once we get our first real job, our big boy, big girl, big person job, um, we're getting a paycheck and we're forced to speak the language. We have to make money choices every single day and we're making choices and we don't understand the language. And what ends up happening is people feel confused or frustrated or have a weird dynamic with money and and frequently say, I don't understand or I don't know what's going on. And what we always tell them is like, why should you? You didn't learn. But there is a way to learn it. And um and we have to learn it because it is a language we're forced to speak. And so um, you know, kind of step one is understanding and dropping the shame and the judgment that you don't know it because you shouldn't, right? So it's like saying, let's just say financial literacy is Greek. And it's like, I just told you I have to speak Greek now that I have a paycheck. Um, And I'm like, oh, I don't know why I don't know Greek. Why should I know Greek? But I know I need to learn Greek and I should learn Greek. And now how do I learn Greek so that I can make smarter choices over time because I know the language? Yeah, I feel like I had that experience, especially when I left college. It was, you know, living on my own, working on my own for the first time. I had that kind of smack in the face moment of I have to learn how to pay rent. I have to learn what rent even mm-hmm. is. Like I had to really go through the motions of like, how do you sign up for paying my electric bill? Like all these things mm-hmm. felt very foreign, right? And that that yeah. feeling of, wait a minute, I don't know what this is or how to even approach this. So like I felt compelled to go learn it on my own. But I know a lot of people who either their spouse does it for them or they mm-hmm. never really had to manage it or they manage it in the, like, the easiest possible way to not dig into the details. Like, right. how do you get to a point where you can I mean, even you mentioned this idea of not feeling shame. How do you get mm-hmm. to a point where you can admit to yourself, OK, I don't know Greek. I don't understand this mm-hmm. language, <laughs> but I'm now willing to go learn. Like, do you feel like people yeah. have that moment like that aha moment? Like, OK, now I'm going to go learn these things. I I think they're kind of forced into it because of the financial choices they made, unfortunately, Um, for better or worse. Usually what the the inflection point is, is that you've either gotten into too much, you've made too many financial choices that feel painful and they've built up over time, maybe credit card debt that's not going away or, you know, 72% of the population, Jeff, lives paycheck to paycheck. So I always tell people, you're not the only one who doesn't Mm. understand the money set there. The majority of Americans are struggling with their money choices and and making those. And it is around literacy. And then it's about behavior as well. But, um, you know, either some unfortunate choices have happened, you were forced to get, get the education, or you feel like you're really improving your finances and you feel more mentally um, excited to learn more about money. Most people learning the 
Greek and it's not Greek. Remember what you were saying, finances, but they don't want to learn it because it seems really painful, right? Mm. It's like, that doesn't sound fun. Um, and that's also, you know, like I just said ETF or, or we'll say you'll hear words like APR and, um, you know, credit card rate and, you know, interest rates and, you know, the markets and uh, high yield savings account, you'll hear all this, this language and it doesn't sound fun. You know, so you're just like, <laughs> why do I want to do that? I don't want to spend time, you know, learning a language that is going to be uncomfortable and difficult to learn. And what I tell people is, first of all, A, it's actually very exciting and, <laughs> and empowering to learn about it. And I'm not just, you know, uh, saying it because it's my job. It, it's because once I started doing it, I was like, you know what? This isn't that scary. It's not that complicated. It's not that crazy. And once I can make it make sense in my brain, it's actually very exciting and empowering. And that's what I want people to take from this is if you're not somebody who's engaged in a financial um, journey to learn more, um, I'm telling you, it will be fun and um, you will enjoy it and you will feel better. You know, when you talked about you know, on this podcast about what you highlight and focus on, we always say physical wellness, mental wellness, and financial wellness are the three pillars of life. And if you don't have all three, it's not, the table's not going to stay stable, right? You really need all three. And, and a lot of times they're intertwined. Some people's, a lot of people's mental health issues are sometimes mostly around their finances or physical health issues around that or vice versa. And so it's a really important language to learn. Um, and I tell people to find the way that you can learn it because just like, um, you know, you know, learning another language, not everybody is going to learn by reading. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, find this book or this blog. And I'll tell you what, it's very difficult. There are very few money books that I recommend to people because they do get jargon heavy. They do get really, you know, intense and it's hard to learn. I, I honestly suggest podcasts to people. I'm like, there's, you know, I have a, a podcast called Martinis and Your Money, but I there's so many personal finance podcasts out there out there now. And I tell people, find the voice that speaks to you, that you're like, yeah, this is fun to listen to. Like I want to work out or I want to while I'm in the car, I want to listen to this. I want to hear this. And and bring a friend, bring a significant other, bring your child if you're a parent, because kids need to start learning it. You know, and a lot of times we hear that from parents. They're like, oh, I don't know how to help my kids with their money because I'm so bad at it. And I would say, first of all, nobody's bad at money. Okay. <laughs> so take that, take that out of the, the, you know, vocabulary. But if you don't know, how about you learn with your child? How about you listen to these shows together? Um, how about you talk about it together and learn together? It's fun to learn things together. So, you know, there's also YouTube. There's other ways to get the education. I think sometimes people will Google or, you know, read blogs or read books and they just don't feel connected to that. So they'll stop. And I tell people, find the source that um, is exciting for you because, you know, that's that then you'll want to do more of it. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that point. I was I was just thinking while you're talking about that that you know I have a degree in theater and my background is essentially in that direction, like the fine arts. My mm-hmm. dad was an accountant for 40 years, so he spent his entire life thinking about money all the time. Mm-hmm. That's all he did. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. come at money from very different perspectives. And it's interesting to yeah. me that he is naturally drawn to it. He understands it and wants to learn more, like just intuitively. And I look mm-hmm. at money and think like it's it is like a foreign language. And from my perspective of where I come at it, it's different. So I'm glad you brought up the fact that you want to find the source that speaks to you, because without yeah. that, you would be lost, like wondering, like, how can I ever even like enter the game, which feels like the biggest yeah. hurdle. Well, there's a lot. Of, so people like your dad, there's a number of people like your dad out there. Right. And then when somebody like you or or me back in the day sees that, it's like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, and, or, and then you start, you know, judging or shaming yourself around that. And there's nothing wrong with you. You, you just have to tackle it from a different vantage point. You know, I, I got asked years ago to start a, a podcast and I, I didn't listen to podcasts. So I was like, well, I don't even, I don't even listen. So I don't even know what I talk about. And I was like, I don't know what I talk about, but I know that I love to drink and I love to talk about money. So <laughs> <laughs> hence like Martinez and your money. And you know, and all my conversations are just having conversations with people about money and making them seem like you're interrupting us at the bar, you know, or overhearing us at the bar. And I literally will go to the bar and talk about money. <laughs> you know, like I literally have those scenes with people where we're drinking martinis. I'm like, this is just like my show. It's real. And, but it's because I've been talking about it for the last 10 plus years. And I, you know, it's like I've been living in, in, in Greece, right. And I've been speaking language and I feel very comfortable comfortable speaking it. And, um, you know, and that's part of the process is finding your connectivity to it and, and getting comfortable with it. And there's nothing we love more at the financial gym than when we get somebody who starts with us very insecure, very uncertain about what's happening in their finances. And it doesn't matter, by the way, what their numbers look like. We have clients who are, who, what we would call extremely financially healthy, who have anxiety around their finances, feel like they're not doing enough. It's not enough, you know, don't feel highly confident. We have people who you'd say are not financially healthy, feeling the same feelings. So it doesn't matter what the numbers are. I always say the problems are the same. The zeros are different. People almost, I think it's something like 97% of people experience financial anxiety. So it doesn't matter what your finances (laughs) look like. It's a common emotion around money and money is very emotional. So you know, I just tell people to, the more you talk about, we love nothing more than getting that person who starts in that spot. And then, you know, three months, six months in, they're like, I'm talking to my friends at brunch about this and I'm (laughs) I'm all excited. And I'm like talking to my parents and my, you know, and they just want to talk about it with everybody because they just want to talk about it. You know, they're speaking the language now. And 
it is such, it just fills me with joy, you know, our, um, our team, when we see that happen, because we're like, you'll get there. It, I promise you. And, and it, and it starts out being scary or like a language you don't want to know. And then when you start to learn it and you start to apply it and you see the results, you get excited. You want other people to speak it with you. You're like all motivated. That's, that's the best thing ever. Do you think that the biggest struggle financially for most people is that IQ aspect of just wanting to learn more? Or is it more from the, I guess I'm thinking of the perspective that let's say you are a high income earner and your, Mm -hmm. your budget every month is higher. You might, from my thoughts, you're more inclined to then maybe want to manage your money more effectively because you have more to work with versus Mm -hmm. those who might have less feel like the, the mountain is higher to climb. So maybe they mm-hmm. don't want to enter because of that. It is, is there like a difference between the kinds of people who say like, yes, I am interested and want to learn more. You know, those I, I'm thinking like those who are better off might feel more inclined to do so. Is that the case usually? Actually, no. Um, <laughs> the people who, who are making more um, almost don't want to to look at it too much because they feel they actually and I had this was me pre starting the gym. I was somebody who thought I never had any money problems because I just, you know, I made money and um, I didn't have credit card debt or I built up credit card debt and then I'd get my bonus paid in February and then pay down the debt. But I was always like, it's under control. Like my credit score is 800. Like I Mm. had this assumption and I think high earners have an assumption that, oh, I have it all together. But then when we get in the numbers with them, it's like, well, and and back to my point specifically, uh, yeah, I was making a lot, but I wasn't saving a lot. And I was living, you know, building up that credit card and I was, and I was maxing out my 401k, but I wasn't saving anywhere else. And by the way, I probably shouldn't have been over contributing to the 401k because my emergency savings wasn't, you know, as robust as it could have, should have been. And, um, and I wasn't paying attention to the details and, you know, we say just like everybody, you know, should go to the gym, a regular gym. We feel like everybody needs to go to the financial gym because there's different exercises and different work to be done based on your situation. And and it's interesting because we almost see people, you know, who are really struggling who want to join more because they know they need it, you mm-hmm. know. And but meanwhile, we see we see those same two people and we but we see opportunities for both, you know, and like for growth, you know, financial growth for both. One just sees it more than the other. Right. And, you know, and common things we hear in the gym all the time, you know, common threads um, across, it doesn't matter. We work with clients in all 50 states. Our youngest client 72. Our oldest is 75. Um, We've had clients start with negative $2,000 in the bank. And we've got clients who have 8 million plus. Um, We've got clients who, you know, earn 50,000 and clients who earn seven figures and debt of zero to seven figures. I mean, we've literally seen it all. And common themes that we hear um, across that um, is, uh, I don't know where my money's going, (laughs) is one thing we hear a lot. I know I'm making it. I don't know where it's going, which I laugh at that all the time because there's so many apps out there that (laughs) will tell you where your money's going. But the sidebar to that is that what we, this other thing we hear is that, well, yeah, I don't, I used mint.com, but mint.com judges me or the app's <laughs> judging me, right? <laughs> it's telling me I dined out too much or I did whatever. And it's like, look, the app's not judging you. It's not judgment. It's just facts, you mm. know, but, but where it's flawed, where the apps on their own are flawed is that it's relying on you to be the source of input. So you might've said, oh, I spend $500 a month going out to eat. 
And then what ends up happening is you really do spend like a thousand dollars and it's not mint.com judging you. It's that you had the wrong input to begin with. You didn't realize how much you were spending going out every, mm. you know, every month. And we love that. What happens with clients in our first session, they tell us all these things and we ask them, how much do you think you're spending every month? I love asking that question of new clients because they're like, you just see them like, I don't know. And, you know, I'm not sure. And meanwhile, they just told you they have $0 in their bank account, you know? So you're <laughs> like, well, um, you make 5,000 a month. I'm guessing you spend at least five. I mean, just spitballing, you know, it's just, just rough math, but that's my guess. And then, you know, so they don't know. And, and we're never like concerned. Cause we say, look, we're just, this first session is you telling us what you think is happening, just like if you were using an app on your own. And then once we get working together and you put all your stuff in our system, which is similar to mint.com, it's our proprietary uh, platform, it, it, we, then we can really see what's happening. you know. And then by the time we have your first quarter meeting three months later, now we're, we're presenting you with the facts and we're not presenting them with judgment, but we're like, look, by the way, you spend this. And and I love saying that to clients. And they're like, what? No. Like, and then you you show them all their transactions and you're like, did somebody steal your credit card or what? <laughs> and they're like, oh no, that was me, or that was me. And then when you start reviewing it, it not from a point of judgment, but just uh, does this feel right? Like, does this bring you joy? Does this you know, align with what you're doing it because what we're trying to get with clients is connection point with money, this excitement about the language, this, you know, motivation to do the things is we want to align our clients with their values and what they love and want to do um, and help their spending and stuff like get in line with that. And what happens is we'll ask clients in that first session, okay, what's important to you? Like, what are your non-negotiables? Like if I had to tell you, you had to cut everything out of your monthly spend, but this one or two things, what would it be? And the common answers we hear from people on this are travel, health and wellness, fur babies, <laughs> family, um, you know, things like that. And then we track our client spending and what are the top areas where their clients are spending their money? Amazon, Uber, Seamless, Grubhub, you know, fill in the blank food delivery service. And three is some kind of retail, depending on the region, you know, of where they're spending. So none of the areas they told us were important, you know, and we're pointing that out to them, not to judge them for going to Target too much, but to ask the question of like, okay, is Target a non-negotiable? Because I see Target a lot in the center report. And I don't want to judge you. And years ago, I had one of my clients who's still my client to this day. We had one of those meetings and you know, we do her first quarter review and her non-negotiables were travel and live concerts. And I was like, great. So then we do her first quarter review. A lot of retail was in there and she saw it on, on black and white. And she said, yeah, well, here's the deal. I'm, I live with my sister and, um, she was in her fifties and not, she was living, you know, she was divorced and living in her dead parents' home with her sister, not the life she thought she'd be, you know, at that stage in her life. So she's like, so I get depressed, I go to Starbucks and then I go shopping. And I was like, okay, I, I'm not trying to take the shopping away. Cause now I understand what's happening. I, you know, and, and emotional spending is real. And, retail therapy is real. So I didn't want to pull her 
thing from her, but it was also detracting from her the things she really wanted to do. So I said, how do we fix this? She's like, well, I said, do we have like a budget when we go to Target or like we only go in with a certain amount of cash or what? And she's like, well, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to, um, I'm going to only buy things that I try on because a lot of times I don't try on the clothes and then I go home and they don't really fit. And then I don't bring them back. And, and I said, great. So let's do that. So we d- you know, did a few things. We meet three months later and uh, she did great around Target, but she had a bunch of shoe shopping, like DSW. <laughs> There's a lot of shoes. And I was like, you tried them on. Like shoes are easier to try on. So I was like, I see you. I see you. And I love you. You followed the rules, but we still had a certain amount of retail spend. And then she was like, okay, now, you know, then we worked on the next thing. And by the next quarter, she was doing great. And then by the next quarter, she was amazing. And, and she, and I said, you, you did like, you've had an amazing quarter. And she's like, but I had fun. And she went to, she traveled to Nashville and she saw Tom Petty live before he passed. And so she, she did the things she loved. Right. And she still had money in the bank. And I was like, yeah, cause you didn't spend it in the other area. <laughs> you spent it around where you value. And that was all the difference in the world. And it, you know, and it took time for us to figure that out together and to ask the questions, but you know, and now she's like, now she's like ninja level. You know, she's been with me like six years plus, And she tells me, she's like, now I won't even buy a thing. If, if I wouldn't buy it at full price, I don't even look at it. You know, she's created her mm. own game, you know, in her head around it. And I just, I love that for her. And, um, and that's the interesting thing about, you know, getting people there. It's like, it's going to be different for everybody and the motivation is going to be different. But if we could, you know, and, and people ask me, how do I, you know, how do I do this? And I always tell people align with your values and really think about and state goals that feel like they light you up because saying, having a financial goal of saving for retirement and paying off student loan debt, that doesn't get anybody out of bed in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I mean, you have the 5am wake up. I'm not getting up at 5am to like, that doesn't (laughs) light me up, you know? And so that's that. So you're starting out the financial process you know, not connected to your goals. So we really encourage clients like pick something very unique to you. It doesn't matter if it is silly or whatever. And so we have clients who have, um, you know, goals around tattoos because I didn't realize tattoos are very expensive or they, you know, want to travel even though they have student loan debt or they want to really want that for a baby and for babies cost money. And so we start setting, you know, these very specific goals And then we name them and, you know, we'll send an account, we'll name it. Like, you know, they might know what they want to name that fur baby, or they might know they want a dragon tattoo and they'll literally call the account dragon tattoo and they'll put money in there. And it's like, they'll stop, they'll alter their spending in other areas because they like seeing the dragon tattoo fund grow, you know, and Hmm. know that, okay, I'm closer to that. Like they, they get more aligned with it. And the more they do that and the more they connect with their goals, the habits start changing. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. What I'm hearing, I think a lot of what you're talking about here is self-awareness, right? It's mm-hmm. knowing where your money is going. I have this similar conversation with my clients in productivity sense of them saying, you know, I have this goal of, of working out more and, and I value mm-hmm. my health. And you look at their calendar yeah. and they never go to the gym, like not once in six months. Mm-hmm. And like, well, yeah. you, don't, you don't value your health, obviously. I can see it in the numbers, like it doesn't add up. And like making that mm-hmm. switch is a phenomenal change to go from like, I was aware that I had this goal, but now I'm actually living it. And it's a whole different mm-hmm. ballgame then. It's like all of a sudden the awareness matches with reality and then that's when the results show up. And I I find that process to be so enlightening and it's fascinating just the connection from that to finances because that's a, it's the same conversation where just mm-hmm. you find what lights you up, you do that thing, and all of a sudden you're you're in the game and actually you're doing the yeah. work, which is it's oh, yeah. fun then. We have people who don't want to join the gym because they're like, I don't want to be on a budget and I don't want to, you know, not have fun. And I'm like, first of all, nobody wants to be on a budget. Budgets are like diets, right? <laughs> right. Um, so we we rarely use the word budget at the gym because we know it's that level of cringe it gives people. So we're like, hey, we're not even talking about budget. Let's just talk about life goals and like what you want to accomplish and, you know, how we get you aligned with that. And, you know, so that's one, too, the not having fun. I'm like, first of all, um, there is so much fun to be had and actually getting your finances where feels so much better. Um, and it's actually very exciting. You just have to try. And, and I always tell clients, I'm not taking away the punch bowl at the party. Cause I'm the one who wants to bring the punch bowl. I just want to change out the punch. Right. So, you know, if you like going out with friends, great, but you know, can you go out during happy hours or can you meet, you know, different places? Like, we just ask clients to take that extra step to think through the choices they make. Cause sometimes I think we want to make very quick things like buy things on our phone, quick, go out, do the easiest, you know, non frictiony choice. And we just ask that people create a point of friction in the way that they spend their money because it's so easy for us to spend or it's so hard to make money these days, right? Cause hmm. it's just hard getting out of bed with sometimes when the world is like, how it is. So it's hard. We work really hard for every dollar that we make. We should make it really hard for every dollar we spend, right? Because it's so hard coming in the door. And yet it is so it goes out so quickly between our phones and our credit cards. And there's literally neurological studies that show that you, your brain shuts down when it swipes a card. Like you literally, it actually numbs and it actually feels good when you Mm. swipe a card and using cash is actually painful. And a lot of times we'll put clients on a cash diet because we're like, you should feel that pain. They're like, but I have no money in my wallet. We're like, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Like, Mm. you know, because using the cards gives you this false sense of you have more money when you don't. It's credit card debt that ends up piling up. So 
you know, taking that time, making it difficult. We'll have clients remove their uh, credit card numbers from their apps and accounts, like let, create a point of friction, a step, you know, to overcome before you spend that money. You know, like if you have to get up and find your card or whatever, did you really need what was in that Amazon basket or could it wait? Or we'll have clients do a whole shopping thing, load up the cart and then exit out, you know, like get it out of your system, <laughs> send some time and then let it go. Like, you know, we just create some kind of pain point in how you spend your money because it's just, it happens so easily these days. And, you know, it's having more, you know, talk about being conscious about it and self-aware. It's, it's hard when you're not looking at it. Well, and speaking of, of looking at, I mean, one thing I know I've done for years is, you know, I track my spending. I have, you know, I use Quicken on my Mac and I, I keep track of, you know, the bookkeeping aspects of, I know every single transaction that goes through my, my business and my personal life. But I'm looking at that every day. Like I'm, I'm real, you know, I'm very detail oriented in that sense. I'm looking at this. So I'm hyper aware of where the money is going. But I also know mm -hmm. that that's not common. And I'm wondering, like, I don't, since I don't know the households of other people and what they're doing with their cash, do people yeah. not look at their numbers? And that's the lack of awareness piece comes from, they literally just aren't looking at any of this and they're just swiping away left and right. Or like, yep. what's the, the day to day life it. like in that sense? That's some of it, Jeff. Uh, looking at numbers cr uh, for a number of people creates a lot of anxiety, mm. right? It's like, uh, I, you know, because again, 72% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, right? So looking at that, that um, bank account uh, is stressful. So they typically avoid it. I remember years ago, I had a woman come in to the gym and she, um, she was like, she knew she had all this debt. Somehow she knew how much it was. Like she had m multiple credit cards. And um, I said, okay, well, we, we're going to have to, but she's like, but I'm not looking at my, um, my credit uh, score. Like I refuse to look at my credit score. She was so adamant about it. And I was like, all right, well, let me get some more information from you. I don't know if we need to pull your credit score or not. And, uh, and then she's telling me more and more. And I was like, look, I gotta be honest with you. I really think we're going to have to pull the credit score <laughs> because I don't know to tell you whether or not to file for bankruptcy because this is a lot of debt or do you just need a personal loan to consolidate all this high interest credit card debt and then that you could actually afford and blah, blah, blah. So she was like, okay, fine. But she's like, I don't want to look. So I had to pull it up on the, you know, for her. And I said, and her credit score was something like 780, which is very mm. good. And, um, and she literally, she took this very deep breath. She was like, <sighs> and she's like, that's the first time I've breathed in like years. Mm. And my heart broke for her because I was like, you could have seen this a long time ago. And the thing is, sometimes people just are so afraid to look because they assume it's really bad. But it's not. And the best thing I could say to your listeners or anybody feeling like this, and it's it's true because um, I've seen, I've been in this long enough to know, and it's just, it's literally facts. Everything you do financially is fixable. Every single thing. This is not life or death. Your money might feel like life or death, but it, every situation is fixable. Bankruptcy is fixable. Um, you know, we've had clients with IRS debt haven't paid their their taxes in years. Fixable. Clients who you know have nothing saved. Clients nearing retirement with no money. Everything is fixable. It's just how much fixing do we have to do? You know, and to what degree? But there's a solution for all of it. And 
So it, it pains us when we see people and know about people out there feeling this level of stress, not wanting to look at their finances and not deal with it because they're so afraid. But step one is looking at it because that's the only way we could come up with the plan for how we move forward. Right, right. Which makes, I mean, I feel like that's step one is like at least know what the problem is and then yeah. go from there, which from that perspective, you mentioned this idea that, you know, the financial gym is modeled after this idea of going to an actual gym. And I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. you know, I work out frequently most days a week. Mm-hmm. What is someone who wants to fix their finances doing on a daily basis? Like, what does it look like to to work on your finances in that sense? Yeah. So just like we use, you can imagine, we use so many gym analogies. <laughs> Somebody asked me recently uh, about what I thought my love language was. And and I said, I honestly think my love language is analogies because I just <laughs> am chock full of them. So we use a lot of gym analogies. And you know what we tell people is it depends on the workout you need, right? Some people are you know working down on paying off debt, down debt, um, looking for another job, leveling up their income. There's different activities based on you know, the specific situation somebody's in. So it's going to look different for everybody. Um, And that's what I love about what we do. We've literally seen it all. So we've got an exercise for everybody, but some really good ones that I think anybody can do, um, you know, and, and start applying. Just like you do a regular workout, you should think about financial workouts in your routine every week and, and, calendaring them. And some really good ones that we know, just generally speaking, that are great for people. One is a no spend day where you say you look at your calendar and you're like, okay, this week, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday are going to be no spend days. So I will spend no money (laughs) on those days. I will bring my lunch to work or, you know, make dinner at home, whatever, you know, just choices you would make you're going to not spend money on those days. And the more of those that you have, it's like those are the days that you're eating salad, you know, Mm. and the more salad you eat, well, then you got room for the slice of pizza at the end of the week, you know, because you ate salad a bunch of days. Um, So that's a really, and we tell people calendar them, put them on, you know, and check them off and, and plan to do that. Uh, Two cash only days are really important. So I just talked about credit cards and apps being really problematic for most people. We tell people like, just leave the house with certain amount of cash for the day and that's it. And whatever it is, it is, or only have that. You can only use cash and whatever's in your pocket is all you have. And you start making different choices from that because of that. Um, the third, which is a different type of exercise is, um, is really taking time out to, to think about the bigger life goals and, um, really what you want to accomplish in life. And, and so that could be like meditating around it, you know, working out and, and putting thought around it could be vision boarding, could be, uh, journaling, whatever activity you can do that starts aligning you with like what you really want to do in life and want to accomplish is going to be really important because that'll help with your motivation on getting the finances together. Because so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. And when we meet with them and ask them these questions about your goals and hopes and dreams, they're like, well, yeah, I think I have them. Maybe I do, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. So it's really hard to imagine mm. traveling the world when I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And what we're we're asking in this kind of work is like, okay, but if money wasn't an option, what would that look like? Because now we can start aligning, you know, that. And and by the way, I had clients start with me with not that much money in the bank. And a few years in, they got married. And a few years in, they they wanted to travel the world. And 
you know, take a, eight months off and quit their jobs and travel the world. And so we saved up. I was like, okay, where are you going to go on this trip? What's the budget? And we figured out what the numbers were. We started saving that much aside. Then we got, you know, we just kept chipping it off over time. And then they ended up getting to that point. Funny in- story about them is they were, they took off in February of 2020 for their oh, round man. world trip. <laughs> yeah. So what happens with, we were talking about, they're like, should we still go? I was like, yeah, guys go. Like we, cause we had been years working on this goal. Right. So, um, so they, they set out, they're like, we don't know how far we'll get. They ended up, I think they went to two or three countries and they ended up, and I'm saying stuck with air quotes, Jeff, they ended up in Bali, hmm. stuck in Bali, right? Uh, horrible place, right? <laughs> and uh, and so they start, they're sharing everything on Instagram. And meanwhile, this is now like April, we're all locked down without toilet paper, right? In the US and they're in Bali living in a tree essentially. And they were like, should we still post about this? Because like, <laughs> we don't want people to be upset with us. And I think all of us were like, no, please, like we're living through, and especially for me, because I had spent two years helping them get there. So I was like, please post like it's life to me right now. So they end up staying in Bali so long that they end up wanting to buy property there, which interestingly, I had a connection with clients in Bali. So they bought property. They now have an Airbnb there. This ended up leading to him getting a job in Thailand because somebody followed them on Instagram and were like, oh, you're in Asia. Just Thailand's not really close to Bali, but you know, that was a connecting point that somebody made. And then they've now lived abroad for the last two plus almost three years. And now they're going to move back to Bali for a period of time. They've invested in a bar restaurant there and not the plans we made three years <laughs> ago. But, but because we set those big things and because we put that to work, and my last fitness analogy I'll give is that, you know, people say, I don't understand money and, you know, don't know the language or whatever, but most people understand a workout routine. And, and I tell people, look, let's just having a big money goal, setting something like that up, traveling the world, buying a home, starting a business, quitting a job, whatever the big goal is. It's like deciding you're going to run a marathon, right? You decide you're going to run a marathon. Well, tomorrow you're not going to run a marathon, Mm, right? The marathon training program is broken out. It takes months. Um, You will, you know, train up to that. You will have rest days. You will have setbacks. You will run less. You won't even run the full marathon before you run it. Um, But it takes time and it's a time and a process and a plan. And that's exactly what is around your finances. But you put that work in and you'll get there. I love it. This is a great message. I feel uh, empowered myself to do a whole lot more of my finances. So, Shannon, this has been <laughs> wonderful. I definitely, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll go to Bali also. That sounds awesome. So we'll make it, make it happen. Yeah. Um, so how can our listeners learn more from you? Obviously, I want them to learn a lot more about the financial gym and to dig into your work there. So where can they go? Yeah. So best place to go is financialgym.com um, or Google financial gym. You'll find out more about us. Um, you can find us at the financial gym on Instagram. Um, and also all of our connecting points are on the website and you can, um, if you want to get into that, that money and more engaged around it and listen to me more, I have a podcast called Martinis and Your Money, Living a Better Life One Cocktail at a Time. And I have over 400 episodes. So a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of cocktails, a lot of, uh, money conversations that you can join in on. Okay, perfect. I'll be sure to have those links for the podcast and the website and all your stuff there on the show notes page this week. Uh, Shan, this has been great. I think there's a lot to get, dig into here. I like the fact that your podcast is uh, a bit, about as old as mine is. Lots of episodes to dig through. That's <laughs> uh, a lot of content there to learn from. So yeah, that's great stuff. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Jeff. 
And for the action step this week, improve your financial habits. Shannon's focus on healthy financial habits is spot on when it comes to long-term growth. We are our habits, nothing more and nothing less. Your daily decisions about money are defining your future right now, so it's time to improve those choices and habits. You can learn a whole lot more from Shannon at financialgym.com or the show notes page this week at jeffsanders.com slash 484. Of course, subscribe to this podcast or follow in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and jeffsanders.com slash subscribe as other apps to choose from. That's all I've got for you here on the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.